This is a Rooster Teeth production. The internet's history is full of small, peculiar events. Whether about a YouTube channel uploading puzzling videos, or a community of people who claim to astral project, these odd mysteries are just a small example of the strange corners of the web. Today, we're going to explore these corners in our very first collection episode here on The Internet Files. This is Red Web. It's another Mystery Monday. My name is Trevor Collins and with me, Alfredo Diaz. We got an interesting format change for you today, Frey. This is different. Yeah. Uh, I didn't expect it, but I will say I love it. I'm loving how it's like, because for those of you listening, I don't know what, you know, we're going to be talking about going into this until I'm here. Keep you in the dark. Yeah, I'm I'm very much kept in the dark. Uh, I do love that we just keep breaking our mold, essentially. You know what I mean? Like we we're not holding ourselves anything. And I'm really enjoying that because I like the variety personally. Yeah, I mean, we change it up. We test and try and, and all that. And you guys have been very receptive to all the different topics we've discussed, all the different format changes and tweaks and whatevers. Uh, So yeah, thank you all for listening and continue to support in spite of the changes. Uh, So today, you know, we're going to focus on three internet mysteries. And the reason why we're doing kind of a collection episode is because obviously we got the the show started. It's bread and butter was internet centric mysteries. Now, I love these type of mysteries. I love all mysteries, but I really love these uh, these style of mysteries that are on the internet. The problem is a lot of them are actually really small and short and wouldn't constitute a whole episode. So we figured, Christian and I put our heads together and figured we'd do like a little sampler platter of, uh, of mysteries. I like this little in and out, kind of like, uh, what is that book? It was like scary stories to tell in the dark or something like that. Ooh, this is our scary stories. Yeah, I like that. So we're, yeah, we're going to hit you from all different angles. You know, we're going to get, you know, basically every platform, every website that you're comfortable with, we're going to hit you from all angles, you know? Oh. Yeah. That's bad. <laughs> that was real bad. Question. Yeah, what's up? Are, are these like all a certain type of like internet mystery? Is it like all like, uh, I don't know, maybe like YouTubers or all uh, Reddit or anything like that? That's a, that's a good question, actually, um, because we have we, we did think about that, you know, piling them in so they're they're all similar to each other. The only thing that really connects these is that they're all on the Internet. OK, one is a YouTube centric one. One is a Reddit and community centric one. And the final one we're going to explore takes a little bit more of a real world combo online presence. Uh, so it's really interesting. We're really hitting a wide variety of topics here, which, uh, which is why I'm so excited about this. But yeah, in the future, we're probably going to explore other mini mysteries in a very similar format, probably putting them together in some sort of theme. But these internet ones are always just little shotgun shots of, uh, yeah, okay. variety. I like it. In and out. So without further ado, why don't we jump into the first one, which is entitled Unfavorable Semicircle. All right. <laughs> I don't know what to expect from this one. You know what? Let's let's go ahead before I dive in. What what could you possibly gather from that name? <sighs> Hit me with that title one more time. Unfavorable semicircle. Bro, I don't even know. Like, what does that even mean? Is it like a YouTube video that Ooh. went up and there was just some like weird stuff and people were just like, oh, oh okay, oh, all right, here we dude, go, here we go. It's such a non sequitur name, and you're still, man, your instincts are as hot as ever. Gut instinct. <laughs> Good instincts. All right. 
Millions of videos on YouTube get uploaded and go completely unnoticed. Unfavorable Semicircle was a YouTube channel that caught the attention of many people online because of its cryptic style, hinting that there might be something bigger, something larger, some hidden message behind these videos. Multiple news outlets actually started to report on this channel, and there's a subreddit dedicated specifically to solving this mystery. So, we have the YouTube channel called Unfavorable Semicircle, which was created in March of 2015. It started to upload on April 5th of 2015 at a rate of two videos per minute. What? Very fast. A lot of videos. Now, it didn't do that for the entire 24 hours. Eventually, it stopped. But it was uploading them very fast, and by the end of the day, it had around 1,247 uploads. Most of the videos were only about five seconds in length, but some of them were several hours long. Now, it's hard to describe them all in a, in a wide swath, but most of them kind of had a solid background color and pixels of another color, but they were often blurry. Some look like constellations, some look like abstract art. Uh, a lot of them use multiple colors and patterns. Uh, this is gonna be a very visual one, so I think what we're going to do is, Fredo, we're going to send you a couple screenshots yeah, 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 yeah. of some of these videos to get you an idea. And everybody who's listening at home, I encourage you to go to our Twitter page, at RedWebPod, where you can get an idea of some of these screenshots for yourself. So, this was a channel that, like, not many people knew about. It just, it just appeared. It just appeared. Did all of these uploads happen once it started getting traction or? I, it sounds like it was created in March, you know, cause you can see when a channel's made. Yeah. But it didn't really do anything until April 5th. That's when it just started dumping videos in just like a lot. Interesting. I'm wondering if the, uh, the YouTube channel started to gain traction. And then from there, it was just like upload city. You like it, like it trickled in. Yeah. Like I'm trying to figure out if this is like someone that's just like, oh, here we go. I got some attention and then they're just, let's make it weird. Yeah, well, it sounds like it all just kicked off uh, one day and that's what really got it the attention. Thousand views, handful of hundred, like 10, no, that one is 10,000 yeah. views. And what you're seeing, you know, are a bunch of thumbnails for these videos, which are just screenshots of the video itself. You know, you see a couple reds, a couple deep reds, some grays, some blurry pixels. Nothing to write home about, nothing extraordinarily visually interesting, but it does look like something that would be otherwise quite cryptic. Do any of these videos repeat themselves? Do we know? It, I think that they're all pretty unique and they all have different attributes around them. For example, some of them have a man's muffled voice saying a letter or a number. Some are completely silent or have a humming noise. Some even have music that has yet to be identified. But the one key factor that attaches these all together is as you're seeing, this Sagittarius symbol. There's an emoji that has the Sagittarius astrology sign in front of all the titles. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's essentially an arrow that goes to the upper right, and then it has like a small intersecting line just kind of halfway through the arrow. I think the interesting thing here is if all these different videos are unique, I'm seeing just in the middle line of, of videos, 557 is the time mm -hmm. code for three no four different videos and then yeah, i look up the top row there's three more at 557 and yeah. the bottom one is all 301. Mm -hmm. even if they're like different the time codes are purposefully the same which makes you think that they're being generated in some way that maybe some computer system or ai is generating these yeah. And I'm obviously like it's a team of people or it's a it's a computer system because if it's uploading that fast, you know, that's a lot. 
Yep. And it's succinct every two minutes. Like it's pretty on the clock. They could have preloaded this too, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know if you can release, a, if you can schedule releases for anything tighter than half hours or even 15 minutes. I think so to get down to, to the every other minute mark. At what point does it have to be a manual upload, you know? Yeah, I don't know. But what's interesting too is that some of these videos seem to be grouped together. For example, like in this screenshot, you see Brother Zero, Brother One, Brother Two, etc. Once again, all of these titles have the Sagittarius emoji in front of it. There's other ones that say Fond Zero, Fond One, etc. But a larger, perhaps main series, uh, had the word Brill in the title followed by a number. Now, on February 18th of 2016, so almost a year later, Reddit user 20pizzas shared the channel on the subreddit called Deep Into YouTube, which is what sparked the widespread attention. At first, many believed this to be something very similar to another channel that was created back in 2014, which was called WebDriver Torso. Now, I know we have a bit of a nested mystery here, so let me, for your convenience, blast through what WebDriver Torso is and perhaps how that relates to this channel here. So WebDriver Torso had a very similar rate of upload. Their videos had pixels and beeps underneath a white background, which often had red and blue rectangles of varying sizes. There was also a different tone in every single video of different iterations or different variations. And the titles were also randomly generated, it seems, um, or at least seemed like there might be some sort of code there. For example, one of the titles was TMP8KHLJZ with varying capitalization along the way. Right. Now, when people found this uh, YouTube channel, they thought that maybe this was a, a secret message or some sort of ARG, very similar to what we're talking about here with Unfavorable Semicircle. However, after much online speculation kind of blew up, Google themselves came forward and revealed that this channel, WebDriver Torso, was a YouTube channel used specifically for testing the website. And so they're like, okay, boom, there we go. Uh, yeah. Oh. Maybe, maybe this is just another one of those. Well, about a week later, after this really blew up on Reddit, Unfavorable Semicircle was taken down, uh, specifically on February 25th of 2016. And it was taken down for violating YouTube's terms of service for spam. So people very quickly dropped that theory because if it was Google themselves, they probably wouldn't flag themselves to pull right, themselves down. Right, yeah, you could kind of let that theory go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> gonna, yeah, right, if we were to flag yourself for spam. I mean, that, that could be some really bad intercorporate kind of communication true or maybe like you know they're covering their tracks in some way i don't know why they would when yeah they clearly came out in 2014 and said yeah this is a test channel whatever but we only know so much and that just seemed the most likely yeah but the channel went down for violating terms of service so the subreddit unfavorable semicircle named after the youtube channel continued to study the channel and reddit user it's safer indoors which is a very appropriate name by the way created a website covering all of the progress that that group had made, archiving the videos, covering the theories, everything that was known about this was all compiled into their personal website. After it was taken down, the Google Plus page that was associated with Unfavorable Semicircle was discovered. On there, there was a posted link to a Twitter account, which was at Unfavorable Semi. Oh, changing platforms. Changing platforms. That was discovered on March 15th of 2016, a year after that YouTube channel was created. Now this Twitter account, when you went there, linked to a new YouTube channel called Unfavorable Semi. So it's dropping the circle. Okay and it continued to post new videos. Now, after a few months of silence, this new channel uploaded a video called Sagittarius Emoji 
Reset Strange YD in all caps. And that was posted on September 15th of 2017. So the, the channel, the original channel was up. A mm -hmm. bunch of videos get posted. YouTube flags it for spam. A uh, bunch of people uh, kind of like archive this stuff. Mm -hmm. A Twitter handle is discovered. Yep. Linking to a new YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And then they will, the YouTube channel was quiet then spammed? Or was it like the YouTube channel went up and then started spamming? Now, I don't know the timeline there, but it seems that once you went to the Twitter and then found basically the clone YouTube channel with a slightly different name, videos were continuing to be uploaded over there around this March date. But, th but then it went silent for months. Ah, so a bunch of uploads, silent, and there were different videos? Uh, yeah, I believe it was the same kind of aesthetic, the same kind of pattern uh, as the first channel. I don't think it was- But it wasn't just like a re-upload. I don't think it was re-uploads. Christian, you might know better on that one. No, from what we were reading, we believe they were new uploads. Okay. So we got some new uploads in uh. a very similar pattern. Sounds like they're they're dodging the the shutdown from the terms of service, the spam yep. situation. If this is if 2017 is to be correct here, I mean they went silent for a while, but they continued posting for a long, long time here. You know, this is another year and a half. Right. Um, but what is strange here, as you were recounting the kind of timeline, because I know it is a bit nebulous. It wasn't until seven days after this blew up on Reddit that Google caught wind of this. So I don't know if it was somebody at YouTube saying, whoa, 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 what is going on here? Let's shut this down. Or if Google said, oh, they're, 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 I don't, I don't know what's going, like why it would need Reddit to catch its attention. YouTube should have been like automatically going, boom, this one channel's uploading thousands of videos a day. Yeah. It should be able to earmark that easy, but I don't know. It's just interesting timing, but all this time has gone by, right? This this second YouTube channel simply called Unfavorable Semi. It exists, it goes quiet for a while. This final video comes out titled Sagittarius Emoji Reset Strange YD on September 15th, 2017. And 30 minutes after that video went up, the video was then deleted along with the entire channel and the Twitter account. However, the Google Plus page remained active. So a Twitter account then, at some point later on, with the same username, was eventually, you know, eventually resurfaced. It posted links leading to another channel, now a third channel. But it's uncertain if these accounts were the same creator or not. It could have been that when the Twitter account was deleted, that a troll picked up that Twitter handle yeah. and pretended to be this, this entity or this group. Leading up to the end of Google+, the posts from the account were deleted. So, like I said, the dominoes are dropping. Google+, the official Google+, page for the original YouTube channel was the final bastion of information, and those posts were finally deleted eventually. Got it. After that, the Google+, posted a text entitled, Real with what seemed to be a code for which accounts were associated with the real creator referencing Unfavorable Semi and another Twitter handle Unfavorable Sem, S-E-M. So I don't know now if this is essentially whoever the creator is saying like, these are the official accounts just yeah. to clarify because there's some copycats out there. Bunch of copycats, yeah. And I'm not going to read out this whole thing because it's mostly gibberish. If But if you have been on YouTube and you've ever looked up at the URL, the, the characters here that I'm seeing in this document, and again, we'll post this, we'll probably have several Twitter posts for this particular episode, but the characters here... Uh, look very much like a channel URL that doesn't have a custom URL, right? Like, like youtube.com slash Google has a default username of youtube.com slash 
US underscore one two eight three five. Like it has a bunch of characters. Yeah. This is a very similar pattern to that essentially. Okay. The only real thing worth noting in this is that Sagittarius emoji is there right before the word real. All of these characters are there. And then at the end, it says homesick D lock, all in one word. And underneath that, it says static in death, also one word. So it's very, very strange. After this, any real accounts or supposedly real accounts have since stopped posting, stopped existing. This is essentially the last footprint of whatever, whoever Unfavorable Semicircle is. However, the subreddit and the Discord associated with that are still investigating the channel and videos and have ultimately made some interesting discoveries over the years. Harvest, which was one of these videos, contained a legible portion of the Wikipedia article for art. Uh, the video entitled Breadth, it was a silent video with flashing frames, was found to be able to create a 3D composite image, which it looks kind of like an atom, if you've ever seen uh, like yeah. an atom diagram or anything like that. It could also look like an astrological chart, you know, like the orbits of planets around the sun, but it's essentially a bunch of different colored dots arranged in concentric circles, kind of like an eye or something. It, with a line through it too, I should note. So it makes it makes it seem very intentional, you know, not not random at all. But to me, I'm like, okay, some, some AI is kicking out all these videos and it's just all randomly generated to test something, I don't know. But this makes it look like something was intentional or that clues are being laid. It, it really makes it feel like something else is here. Yeah, it went from just like, this just could be a troll spamming to there might be some thought behind this. Right. But I mean, so far, it's just a lot to me of just randomness. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for this, like, I'm waiting for this thing to pop, see what's going on here. So in the pop area of this conversation, people, you know, there's a lot, a lot of videos here, a lot of different random names and stuff. So it's almost like any clues are just being buried by noise. But two videos in particular stood out to people as videos of interest. One was titled Lock and one was titled D-Lock. Now it's worth noting that D-Lock was referenced in that final Google Plus post. And so maybe that's why people were turned on to these particular videos. The video entitled Lock is about 27 minutes with intense flashing colors and moving pixels of a darker shade. And uh, the music is a strange muffled noise. The video spells out the word L-O-C-K. It was uploaded to the original channel back in July of 2015. And then D-Lock is a three minute video with white lines on a black background and shifting colored pixels. The music is a ragtime style song with the voice reading I-A-N-N-O-P-6. D-Lock was uploaded to the original channel as well on December of 2015, so about six months after the, the Lock video. Now, as a final pin in the story of Unfavorable Semicircle, the user named Thomas F.SE discovered that when all of the frames of lock, the video lock, were placed over top of each other, oh. it showed a pretty distinct image. It wasn't random noise as you might expect. Uh, some people think it looks a bit like a ring, but many other people say, hey, it's unknown. To me, when I look at it, it looks like a very pixelated image, uh, a very pixelated black and white image of a Pokeball sitting on some <laughs> cloth. <laughs> If I'm honest, I I think we have that linked as well if you want to check that out. Oh yeah, link me to it. Well, yeah, like a little like a little Pokeball caressed by a silk cloth. I can kind of see a face here. You see a face? 
Yeah, that's our bottom circles, the mouth, the top two are the eyes, and then uh, between them is kind of like Ugh. a triangle nose. Yeah, and the that's cloth some... is. Oh, yeah, I'm getting like, like creepy clown vibes from yeah, that. Yeah, oh, it's weird. Ooh. That's what I saw right away. I don't like that. I don't like that. Mm. But anyway, that's everything we know about Unfavorable Semicircle. It's a bit of a benign mystery, but it leaves a lot of question marks. To me, you know, we'll dive into the theories, and the theories for each of these are, are as simple as the mysteries themselves. But just to really digest this, because there's a lot of imagery, a lot of getting caught in the weeds and stuff, essentially a YouTube channel popped up, was dumping a lot of random videos with random titles that did have some overlap by using that Sagittarius emoji. Mm -hmm. uh, some seemed to be part of a series like brother, one, two, three, four, five, whatever. But otherwise seemed, they, they, otherwise if you looked at this, you'd think that there's something coded in there because it's just random noise. It's random yeah. stimulus. But there's, it just also feels like there's like deliberate like shape to it. I, I don't know. Like Yeah, I mean like, Especially when you take all the frames of a 27 long minute video and you put them together and you get that. That's weird. I mean, that stands out, man. That's weird, yeah. But let's dive into some of the theories proposing to answer this. Starting with the most likely that this is some sort of ARG. This is the leading theory. There isn't much beyond that because we just don't know much about this. But that's the leading theory. Yeah, trail went cold. Mm-hmm. The next is that this is some sort of experimental art. Now. Either way you, you fold it, experimental art is going to be left open, right? You're just going to have, perhaps this image here was that I, that I showed you is art, and that's just that. And it will be left at that for forever. If it's an ARG, we're probably just missing the clues. Oh. And maybe they're just too well buried. And the fact that it's all deleted now and archived by a third party is going to make that even more difficult. Now, the next theory is that this is a private user testing YouTube's platform. Now, I honestly think that this is a pretty strong one. And this was proposed by Reddit user Flustercuck. <laughs> it's a very interesting name. Uh, now, to me, like, it does feel like maybe Google was... Whether they admitted it was them or not, it just does seem like, hey, this is them testing their back end. Because a little inside baseball for you. Okay. You know, when you render a video, your computer encodes it to a certain file type container, right? An MP4, an MOV, whatever. Mm -hmm. When you upload it to YouTube, it then re-encodes that through their algorithm, through their system, onto their servers, etc. Now, by dumping all of these videos with static and moving pixels and randomly generated crap, they might really just be putting their algorithm, their encoder, whatever, through the through its paces. And they might not want to put that out publicly because they're a huge service and uh, doesn't behoove them to say anything about it. I mean, it's a simple answer and, it, and it's basically what WebDriver Torso was probably doing. Uh, but there's just, I mean, again, there's other elements here that don't line up with that. Yeah. I just, uh, like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah, I don't know. Like, if it's a private user, what are they after? How they Are they trying to pull YouTube's back end apart and figure out? Like, <sighs> Yeah, I, I could see this being an ARG and we just haven't found all the pieces yet. Like, I'm really leaning towards that right now. Yeah. Underneath the private user testing, some people kind of think that because that some Android users in particular have reported issues when viewing these videos on their phone, such as the videos would keep playing after the video was supposedly supposed to end, right? It hits the end of the video, hits the end of the time code, and then it would keep playing something. Others would report that the video caused their screen to turn off. Now, I don't know if this necessarily nests well into the private user testing or into some sort of experiment of another kind. I, I don't really know, but... The next theory that I find interesting is, is that this is maybe like a modern number station 
which number stations were radio stations used by intelligence agencies to essentially send coded messages. Uh, they still exist today. You can absolutely listen into some Russian number stations. We might do an episode on those sometime down the line, but they're just really old, staticky, ever perpetual radios oh. that just have numbers come out almost at random. It's a, it's like a recorded voice that would say one, eight, seven, six, and just keeps going forever. I've heard of that in a movie. Once or twice. Yeah, and it's in, I think, Call of Duty Black Ops was based on yeah. that. Like, the numbers, Mason, right? So, you know, maybe maybe they were sending messages that would otherwise be nonsense, you know, if you weren't the intended audience. Who? You could just send it to the person. Right. Email, son. <laughs> like... It's like, I'm going to call Fredo by getting on an extremely loud speaker and just screaming yeah. into the sky. I, I always question it. Like, what point is it just... Uh, an internet troll with a lot of time on their hands. Yeah, I mean, that's what this kind of feels like. I mean, there are a couple pieces, you know, just a couple nuggets that make you really start to go, well, you know. But who knows? But I, I'm with you. It's it's really hard to say here. Like, I don't think there's anything nefarious. I don't think it's anything, like, dark. But it is, you know, it is spooky. It makes you question, like, man, there's some, there's some weird things going on. This image at the end is weird. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. It makes, you know, it really makes me start to like question the security I take for granted when I'm like, you know, comfort watching my favorite YouTube channel or whatever. When I'm binging with Babish uh, and he's cooking up a steak for me to, <laughs> to enjoy watching. If, if it, like right next door, this could be happening. It's just weird. It just kind of puts a, like a, a sour taste in my browsing experience, you know? Also, it just shows, I mean, like I think about it with like Twitch. Um, and that's live content, but you know, with YouTube too, so many videos getting uploaded, like I'm sure some weird stuff has been put up. You know oh, what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like who's, who's to know if it doesn't just go up for a second and come back down. Right. Um, whether it be, uh, weird stuff like this, or maybe it was someone, you know what I mean? Like, okay. Wild, but like someone that is kind of dark uh committed a murder videotaped it and then it was just like ah, just tease it up there for a second and that's yeah no there's yeah. that's definitely existed man and it's like it is dark yeah man like people all over the world of all different desires you know can just put something up yeah, anybody yeah man that's woo heebie-jeebies it's, creepy. it's, it's creepy like the dark stuff. side of youtube you know like it has a whole different yep. anyway in closing here before we move on from unfavorable sims so despite the massive amount of effort that was dedicated to studying unfavorable semicircle the purpose of the channel is obviously still unknown to many it is clear that whoever created the channel is just trying to send some sort of message or maybe some sort of art but many still look at this to this day and questions remain aliens i'll be honest that was one of the theories. I just didn't read it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Alien sent a message. This is messages from aliens of Sagittarius. Which they're is... looking for the you know biggest, best, brightest mm -hmm. to abduct and just haven't come across one yet. And they and they promptly left this planet alone. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, mm, nope, not advanced enough and dipped. They immediately, we think aliens come to this planet, start up some social networks, trying to get subs, trying to get followers, you know. <laughs> yeah. How do I monetize my presence? Aliens were like, we could do this YouTube thing. And then they were just like, uh, it's not that it's not that easy. It's like most people that jump onto YouTube. I can do this. And they're like, oh, you got to keep it up. It's a lot of work. It it's really is. It's a ton of work. It's a lot of work. Aliens right. just didn't have the, you know, they didn't have the drive that most people do anyway. 
So I digress real, on aliens. Real quick to end, uh, to wrap this one up. Sure, sure. When was the last video posted? That's a good question. Um, I don't believe, was it Reset Strange YD, Christian, on September 15, 2017? I just double checked. Reset Strange YD was the last official video. That third account, we don't know whether it's official or not. That has been posting videos over the years. The last post from them was made December 31st, 2019. So, okay. So, yeah. We, this is where the copycats enter the fray. We, you know, and that's where you just don't know. Yeah, I'll go with the official. But yeah, unfavorable semicircle. And there are, there are a bunch of YouTube channels that kind of have similar, similar feels, similar vibes. But yeah, I think this is the, the most prominent one of that type to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that there's a ton of like uh, YouTube channels that are doing this type of thing and mm -hmm. just trying to like spark interest. Or maybe they are actually trying to test things or, you know, get people to try and solve something. Yeah. Well, with that said, let's move on to the second mystery of the episode, the subreddit known as Astral Army. There exists an online community that focuses on astral projection. These members foster connections with one another and go on missions together in an effort to discover information and change the world. Project me, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> send me out. Send me out. Let's, let, you know, let me explore. Yeah, this is so this is like to to really ground it in um pop culture. This is the ancient one palm fisting uh Doctor Strange out of his body sort of deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh you know, this is this that's essentially what astral projection is is saying and we'll dive into it more, but the subreddit Astral Army was created on August 30th of 2017. It is still active and teaches new members every day how to astrally project. Now, astral projection is the act of one using their soul or their consciousness to travel to other places, real and beyond the real. To astrally project, you must imagine the place that you're trying to go to and use a specific sigil. Now, some say that if you don't know what the place looks like, you just have to guess. And that makes me think of Nightcrawler in X-Men who needs a very vivid image of where he's teleporting yeah. to, or he's gonna wind up halfway splinched into a wall or something like that. Yep, has to imagine it in his head and poof, poof. There he went. But anyway, so according to this subreddit, anyone can astrally project, but apparently some are more naturally inclined to do it than others are, like a natural ability or, or something or other. Now, many users utilize astral projection for meditative and spiritual purposes, but Astral Army's motto is projection for protection. And this particular group uses their skill in astral projection to try and change the world, or so they say. The group comes together for missions to visit places they deem important to investigate or learn from. One interesting place that they actually went to, the group visited Skinwalker Ranch oh. that we did an episode on, uh, you know, back in 2018. They went there to investigate skinwalkers and the UFO sightings that had been claimed of the area. Well, damn, what'd they find out? Well, this will surprise you, but no information on their visit is, uh, yeah. is yet to be found. Yeah, there it is. There's, there's, there's <laughs> nothing uh, on that, unfortunately. On another mission, however, some members of the group claim to have visited the moon. Now, Reddit user Commander X said they saw a building in the distance when they were on the moon, but picked up some crystals. Uh, another person named Falcon Rift, maybe this is a group of people or an, or an individual, went into these buildings on a separate journey and saw they, they said they saw the same crystals inside these buildings and they were being studied. And when they tried to pick up one of these crystals, it burned them. And so immediately they were kicked out of their uh, state and they left. Yeah. That kind of taps into some other theories that people have seen towers, monoliths, etc., on the moon. 
But I gotta be honest, we got satellites and, you know, we sent some people up there. We got you know, rovers over there. It's it's really gonna be hard to have a building on the moon and, and in 2021 not really be seeing that. <laughs> yeah, like... So, I mean, you know, taking them for face value, they say they can go to real and fake places. Maybe they accidentally conjured up a little bit of both, uh, you know? I mean, the names that you're reading out of these people sounded very fitting to what they were trying to do. Falcon Rift sounds pretty cool. Like, you know what I mean? Falcon Rift. It's just I'm like, riding the Rift. <laughs> it just seems so fitting for uh, what they're trying to do. I, I, I just I just imagine, what was that Disney Channel original film with Oh my like, God, the superheroes? Yeah, the super, and then like the condor was yeah. like the grandpa or the uncle. Wasn't that, that was a Disney Channel original, I think. Uh, yeah. Oh, damn. I forgot. I'm just picturing that now. Like, the Falcon. It, it definitely <laughs> gives out those kind of vibes. Yeah. A little bit like, uh, they might have put a little bit too much effort into their name, but, you know. It's a little too on the nose. Well, the next one. Uh, so those are some of the missions that have been discussed. You know, all you know. Again, taking it for face value, maybe this is—it's uh, not declassified yet. Maybe this is information they're keeping close to their chest. Because listen, if I could astrally project, I'd walk myself up into the White House, grab the president's notebook, and tell myself if there are aliens or not. Oh yes. And then I'm gonna give the scoop to the press. You know? Yes. Or would I sound like just one of those quacks that no one believes? I, I don't know. I think if anything, I'd, it's just more so for myself. I'd be like, oh, I know, yeah. I know. No one's going to believe me, but I know. This is for me. Well, in another case, uh, Reddit user Technodroid456 requested the Astral Army to visit Gabe Newell, and he's got his priorities straight, to find out when Half-Life 3 would be coming out. <laughs> yes! <laughs> now, now I believe somebody. And again, I'm going to blow your mind. It doesn't seem like anyone did that. Uh, um, so there's no information on that, unfortunately. But, you know, with quarantine and, uh, you know, you might be listening to this in the future audience, but, you know, quarantine is you know, hopefully we're at the tail end of it here in 2021. And uh, but due to quarantine, a lot of people stuck at home. So this subreddit actually became much more active and the members of the community routinely met up with each other via astral projection. Uh, the group has their own, as they call it, astralscape where they meet up, but in order to get there, you have to memorize a specific sigil, and that's kind of how they ground you to that place. Now, an astralscape, just for those of you who might not be aware, or might not be able to gather perhaps what that is, it's a shared reality where others who are astral projecting can meet you, and you can all come to that space and create whatever you want, cities, homes, etc. To me, I call it Minecraft. Yeah, I was about to say like a VR chat room, like is that what we're talking about here? I wonder, I wonder if they get to choose like their avatar while they're projecting you know what i mean do they need to look like themselves or can they you know what i mean change it up like a, a v projector yeah yeah like or like in the matrix it's like a it's what the vision of yourself is in your mind and everyone shows up wearing leather <laughs> yeah, everyone had leather yeah <laughs> but here's the thing if these if these fine folks of astral army are going to a shared astral scape I'm saying this, go have yourself a conversation, go make up a story, go talk to each other. When you're done, as soon as you're out of your state, hop on the phone, come to me, give me your notes, let me write down what you guys talked about, I'll connect the dots, I'll, I'll talk to both parties independently, and I'll see if this lines up, you know? Give me your notes. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm saying there, if they're going to a shared space somewhere else outside of reality, you know, in the astral scape, in the astral plane, and they say that they're meeting up, that there's a city, they're talking, they're having meetings... 
then they're transmitting information from one person to another without having direct conversation or direct contact. If you can right. do that, I want to demonstrate it. I want to prove it because that is wild. Also, I could really use, like, I could really drop my cell phone plan. And that's like, it's really burning a hole in my wallet. <laughs> I mean, but here's the thing, though. Like, if this is something that you're capable of doing mm -hmm. um, and you're, you know, not trying to hide it, then why wouldn't you demonstrate it? Right. Wouldn't you be eager to share this? To be like, look, boom, it's legit. Yeah. That or it's like... Uh, you know, in Dragon Ball, again, I'm just riddled with pop culture references these past few episodes. <laughs> in Dragon Ball, you know, Gohan teaches his girlfriend how to fly, to center her chi and to fly. They don't teach everybody that, but apparently everybody could do it. Maybe these, uh, maybe they're gatekeeping some really cool powers. But then, like, also teasing it publicly, like... Well, do you believe them? Mm. You haven't earned it. Oh, uh, yeah, I gotta believe. I don't know, man could be like a respect thing i on one hand i'm deeply intrigued with the idea of astral projecting in talking to my father for example he said when he was younger he toyed with the idea of doing this with a friend of his and he actually has a very vivid experience where they both astral projected and what? he was actually pretty afraid of it realistically like you don't want to get stuck outside of your body or whatever yeah it kind of freaked him out a little bit he yeah like, Whoa! And, and he's a pretty like he's a pretty pragmatic guy he's a uh, you know It'll take some interest from things. He'll be like, oh, that's interesting, but I don't really believe it or whatever. So to me, it's like, it's interesting. It's super interesting. And if it's real, oh man, that would be so cool. But I'm also the kind of person who would like, oh, I'd be so eager to share this information, to, to, right. to demonstrate it. It's, share, be, demonstrate, teach. Because th this would be the future. Electronics, throw those out the window. Save the planet. Let's talk in our minds, baby. That's oh man, you could do so much. Yeah. You can you could start oh, a whole business out of it. You know what I mean? Create all these public places where people can meet up and or even like rent out these astro projected uh, I don't know like apartments or something like that. Uh, man, people would want to get away. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, started getting more active due to people being in lockdown, being at home and being on the internet more because of it, and, you know, seeking some sort of contact with other people, uh, whether it is to find another community or to literally escape the bounds of their house and go elsewhere. For whatever reason, you know, people were looking to go to this Astral Army subreddit. And in February of 2020, a user that has since been deleted requested a more experienced astral projector actually go to Wuhan to see what was going on at the time. Now, I know that's a little bit politically charged, so I'm not going to go too far into that. But why I really mention that is because it really cracks open a new conversation. This person saying, hey, we need to get somebody on the ground to see what's going on over there, if everything's okay, whatever. Uh, and they recommended that whoever goes should take caution because governments, now this is what I want to focus on. Governments have people that are trained in astral security. What? I mean, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's nothing under the sun that the government hasn't really studied. Yeah. They were pumping people full of LSD to see if they could get mind powers, okay? That is, I mean, that's true. I mean, yeah, right. Here's the thing. If I'm the government, you know, if this comes across my desk. I'm going to go, I'll have someone look into it. You know, like it's the people's money. I'll have someone uh, try and be like a double agent or something like <laughs> I got to look at it. I mean, because the off chance that it's something real, something valid. I mean, that's a promotion right there. That's a raise. It's a promotion. But it's also security. You know, you think about your enemies, you think about your allies. If there's a half a percent chance it's real. Listen, at this point, just as citizens, if something's real or not, it doesn't matter. The government studied it. 
And if it exists, the government knows. Like, because they, they look at everything. Because they have to. Because if they don't, the other governments will, right? Yeah. So, hey, I be- you know, I believe it. I believe if, that they at least studied this. Others have actually mentioned, in response to this post, had mentioned being attacked while astrally projecting. For example, user Vider Benin described being chased by a man in tactical clothes after trying to pick up a book that they found while projecting. This man came to them and said that they were not supposed to read this book and then chased them off. It's interesting because, you know, your mind can build such vivid images. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm still getting ahead of myself on the theories and stuff. But to have tactical clothes or the need thereof when you're astral projecting, is is that the is that the manifestation of how you see yourself? Or is that because like, right, you you don't need that. Maybe you don't want to be dangling about with no clothes on, but like, I don't think uh, a tactical vest and spandex is really going to make you float through walls any different. It's just like, you know? what is that doing for you? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, hey, you know what? Maybe it's just setting up a, a tone, you know, putting on the branding and saying like, this is a book that you don't want to mess with. What war is happening brewing behind the scenes that we don't know about? Oh, you just cracked open a can that I don't even want to. Put yeah. words into. I mean, there gotta you just, be something, You just got right? put like, onto a list that I don't even want to consider. Ooh, take me on the list. Unsubscribe, nah, please. You're being looked at now. Ooh. There could be people in your room watching you right now. There are people watching all of you listening. Oh, no. Astral projection just really changed the game. I mean, really, could, like, could hauntings just be, you know, teens that can astral project pranking? Oh. I don't know. I'm just, my mind's wandering now. I mean, if this is something that you can actually do, then they've done a decent job like not having evidence that this is possible out there right mm-hmm. like if, you, if you're talking about kids pranking people and whatnot i mean like come on how has this not been found i, I mean who knows i've been listening to all of this stuff for for months now and maybe the government has covered it up and, and they continue <laughs> to cover it up and they're projecting i'll with ground their, you i'm i'm taking mm-hmm. you off the deep end one episode at a time but like let's i'll ground you here for a second okay even with Pretty major government topics, right? You think of Edward Snowden. It takes one. It takes one person to slip through and say one thing. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what the repercussions are. It's out. So with stuff that's as big as this, you'd have to think that some little piece of evidence slips through here or there, right? Yep. Like, that's where my mind starts to go. Well, it's that time again. Time to part the seas of the mysteries. That's embarrassing I made that rhyme, but I hope you guys are enjoying this new kind of format. It's just a way to kind of circle back to where we started with this show, back on the internet, touching a bunch of mysteries that we've always wanted to cover, but we're afraid were too small, maybe didn't have enough meat and potatoes behind them to make a whole episode out of. So let us know how you feel about it. Uh, We're super excited to be covering some of these smaller mysteries and hope to do plenty, plenty more. So let us know. Also, if you want to support the show directly, there's a couple different ways you could do that. We have some merchandise in the form of a mug and a t-shirt with plenty more to come over at store.roosterteeth.com. And if you already have the merch and you want to support the show even more, you can let a friend know. If you've got a friend that you think likes unsolved mysteries as much as you do, as much as we do, let them know we exist. We greatly appreciate it. And with that said, let's get into our sponsors for this episode. 
This episode of Red Web is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show is a podcast that you really should be listening to, and I know that every day somebody tells you that you have to listen to a podcast, and then you nod and you say, sure, but you never listen to it. Well, don't let that happen here. Jordan's show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Each episode is a conversation with a different fascinating guest, and when they say there's something for everyone, they really mean it. In one episode, Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you, which sounds useful and disturbing all at the same time. Another episode tells the story of a professional art forger who somehow made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia. Two episodes that I would recommend that you check out as a fan of this show, Red Web, is episode number 457, which is entitled, Help, I Married a Conspiracy Theorist, uh, which maybe uh, my girlfriend could listen to, and maybe that would help her with all of my tinfoil hat conspiracy theories. And that's on their Feedback Friday show that they have. The other episode I would recommend you check out, again, if you like Red Web and what we do here, is episode 413 with Mark Edward, entitled, True Confessions of a Fake Psychic. Jordan's always focused on pulling useful, practical insights out of his brilliant guests. And they're not talking about pop psychology or wishy-washy self-help stuff here. The episodes are loaded with bits of wisdom that you can use to legitimately change your mind and improve your life right away. We really enjoy the show, and we think you will as well, so search The Jordan Harbinger Show. H-A-R-B, as in boy, I-N, as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. At Audible, you can find the largest selection of audiobooks ranging from bestsellers to new releases to celebrity memoirs, languages, business, motivation, and more like original entertainment from top celebrity creators and thousands of popular and binge-worthy podcasts. With an Audible membership, you can download titles and listen offline anytime, anywhere. Now is the best time to try Audible because with their President's Day event, you're getting one of the best offers of the year. Only $9.95 a month for the first six months for a limited time. In addition to accessing one premium title, you can download and stream thousands of all-you-can-listen audiobooks, originals, and podcasts for less than a regular membership. I often use Audible in the gym so I can get my books while I'm working out. It actually motivates me to wake up early and get into the gym, which I struggle with anyway. But I would recommend you check out their Arthur C. Clarke books if you like a little bit of sci-fi in your life. They're very fascinating. They're deeply rooted in scientific fact. And uh, if you know a little bit about me, you know I love space. And so I binge through all of his books, but I would recommend in particular... Rendezvous with Rama. It's all about a, uh, a mysterious space object, I don't want to spoil anything, that flies into our solar system that's caught on radar. Uh, humans go out to figure out what's what's going on with it. What, what is this alien object? But anyway, that's the teaser. You should try it out. By visiting audible.com slash redweb or text redweb to 500-500. Again, visit audible.com slash redweb or text redweb to 500-500. Get that book, get it in your life, and explore some sci-fi with Audible. And now, back to the internet mysteries. But on the same vein as, uh, you know, Astral Security, another user named Astral Skater 
so that they were attacked when they tried to visit the Pentagon. So this kind of kills, by the way, well, my, my dreams mean, of projecting into the White House and goofing off. Yeah, well, don't project into the Pentagon. Like, if there's any place that has security, you know what I mean? Be the mm -hmm. Pentagon. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, what if you went to Astro Prison? Like, no joke. What if there was some sort of way to capture you out of, and you just went comatose? You know, there are stories of people going comatose randomly and never coming back. There are, you know, what if this is the punishment and that's why people spontaneously combust? My mind's connecting too many dots that I don't want to be talking about connecting, you know? It's just, don't be going to places like that if you can. Oh, dang. But they said the closer they got to the facility, the more it pained them. And therefore, they just stopped, obviously. Um, so some sort of, in that case, it wasn't an individual chasing them as a, as a specter or anything, but rather some sort of astral field around the facility. At that point, another user stepped forward, standard description two, expressing worry about visiting any government buildings after this post was made, saying that it was clearly not a good idea, not wise at all, and multiple users responded, reminding them that the US government has known about the power of astral projection for a very long time, and it's likely that they are using it to protect sensitive information. So again, there go my dreams of, you know, skywalking into the the White House and getting proof of aliens or what have you. Yeah, I mean, again, there's a whole war brewing in the shadows that we don't know about. You know what I mean? Some underworld type stuff going on right now. Ugh, underworld meets <laughs> Matrix, man. But uh, the theories here are even simpler than the uh, than the first one. It's uh, it's one of those theories where it's one of those topics where it's either one way or the other, right? It's true or it's false. And you know, so the theory that it's false is simple, right? It it could be that these individuals are making up stories that are very interesting. It could be that they right. have very strong imaginations or daydreams, uh, lucid dreams, for example. You know, and uh, and and that's it. As simple as that. But. There's actually some meat and potatoes behind the idea that this is true. Oh? And so let's give it some credence. Let's really dive in. Out-of-body experiences are a real studied phenomenon. You, I'm sure you've heard of at least one person yes. who has come to after a close experience of death or anything like that and have had some sort of story to go with that, right? They said they saw themselves from outside. They said they saw another place, etc. 10% of people, in fact, have reported experiencing out-of-body experiences. So that's like one in 10 people. That's a good chunk. That's a good chunk of people, uh, you know? And uh, the US government has studied and utilized astral protection during the Stargate project, which was established back in 1978. So this really dives into the proof that, yes, the government has, in fact, full-on studied this. And the Stargate project, was something that was focused on astrally projecting to remotely view events and gain information kind of in the spy era, the heavy spy era uh, yeah. of, the cold, of the Cold War, right? To gain information because they believed that the Soviet Union was doing the same in return. So they had 22 military citizens and civilian citizens as part of this project basically to see like, hey, can you project over to Russia and see what's going on. Or, you know, for example, in this one situation here, Rosemary Smith, uh, she said she was able to locate a Soviet plane utilizing astral projection in 1976. <laughs> this is one of the instances that actually helped kick off this project. Smith was given a map of Africa and then went into a trance, at which point they gave a longitude and latitude coordinates in order to help locate this missing plane. Now, you could think that 
it would be luck, maybe throwing a dart at a, at a map and landing on something close to where the plane is. <laughs> maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's real, I don't know. But that's really what kind of helped kick off this whole thing. And despite having some successes along the way, ultimately this project was ended in 1995. So it did go on for quite some time. Oh, that went on longer than I would think that it would. Yeah, quite some time. Uh, but ultimately it actually wasn't declassified until recently in 2017. So this is recent information that's what? come out. Okay, so this was like a thing thing and then it got uncovered in like 2017. So it, yeah, it wasn't made declassified. It wasn't allowed yeah. to be known about by regular people until 2017, which is coincidentally the same year that Astral Army became a subreddit. I don't know if it's court oh, or on purpose. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just like coincidence, but probably it's that someone learned about this from the declassified information and then built a group focusing on that topic because they're like, well, look, the government's proving it's real. And I'm like, well, the government's proving that they studied it. Yeah. Also, like, I kind of wonder, like, what is the whole process with, like, declassifying stuff? You know what I mean? When you just go, okay, well, this was, like, top secret stuff, but it's, it's all good now. I think it's a complicated process, but just from paying attention to the JFK files, right, over the years, they put essentially an expiration date where they think that this information will be no longer relevant. That we can announce that Area 51 exists now and we can say, yes, we don't have to deny it anymore because it's not going to matter to you. Because the information that we were hiding is already either public or uh, no longer necessary or whatever. And then you can, you know, the president or whoever can actually kick that date down the line. But otherwise, I don't know when things are declassified, why they are. I'm sure there's tons of really big stuff that's yeah. been classified for like 100 years. But, you know, I, I don't know if it's like copyright where eventually they hold themselves to their own law and they have to declassify <laughs> <copyright>. stuff. Right. <laughs> Just like we released the rights to this. Like. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But it, but there is something to your question, which is if it's being declassified, is it because it's eh, it's probably, uh, well, you know, or is it being declassified because they're like, listen, this was a secret at the time, but everyone knows. So whatever, we'll release it. And there is something behind this. Like, I, I don't know. As a last note on this, psychologist Ray Hyman said this, quote, the overwhelming amount of data generated by the viewers is vague, general, and way off target. The few apparent hits are just what we would expect if nothing other than a reasonable guessing and subjective validation are operating." End quote. So he's basically saying, you know, this is just as accurate as having an informed guess. And that's ultimately why this project was closed, I think. Yeah, I mean, I get like people are probably saying this is a thing and then they do it. I just, I can't. How do we I don't know, man. Something like so big as this. How is this not something that the government's... I mean, who knows? Maybe they are using it. But if you're people running a wild on Reddit talking about it, like... Uh, or we talked about it a long time ago. Maybe the government lets them just, you know, have a Reddit forum and talk about it. So people just go, oh, they're crazy. I mean, yeah. Right? Gaslighting, smoke and mirrors, you know, the whole yeah. shebang. Covers up what's real and what's not. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it could also be something as simple as flat earth. Right. You know, some people looking for similar minds and looking for community. There's nothing wrong with that part, as long as there's nothing detrimental to what your beliefs are, you know, to the, to the greater populace. But that's everything about Astral Army and, you know, the online communities surrounding the idea of astral projection. It's very interesting. 
Again, nothing too uh, too nefarious, right? You know, it's just more of a, an interesting idea. But this next one really opens the door for some possibilities on, uh, you know, opens some question marks up. Okay. All right. And this one's called Neurocam. If you had to guess, maybe some quick gut instincts on this one. Ooh, some type of like, uh, maybe things that you would like, man. Probably, I would say somewhere along the lines of like a medical tool that you implement into the mind, the brain to to read certain patterns, maybe telekinesis type stuff. Ooh, I don't know. It's, I mean, that makes sense to me. It's a little off. That's fine. That's why they're gut instincts. So in 2003 to 2004, residents of Melbourne, Australia noticed a large orange billboard that only read, get out of your mind. Beneath these words was a link to neurocam.com and nothing else. Ultimately, this billboard apparently cost around 10,000 Australian dollars. And if you went to the website, a video would automatically start downloading, automatically. Now this is the early 2000s, so that's kind of typical, but nowadays I'd be like, whew, yeah. big red flag. This video was a minute long trailer of sorts for Neurocam with 2000s-era uh, electronic music and shots of people wearing white masks that covered the top half of their face. Oh, hell no, I'm out. Yeah, it's got cult vibes already. There was a page to sign up to join Neurocam that asked users their name or their alias, their age, their email address, and the city that they lived in. On the disclaimer page, you were told everything that Neurocam wasn't. For example, it said, Neurocam is not a dating site. Neurocam is not a marketing campaign. It is not a drug. It is not a cult, etc., etc. It went on for 30 more lines of what it isn't. Oh. Because it basically makes you say, what is this? Well, here's what it isn't. That doesn't really help. That's <laughs> pretty, I mean, that's cool in the sense of we always have so many questions and mm -hmm. very rarely uh, does the mystery or conspiracy outright just be like, look, we're not any of these. Right. Keep going down the rabbit hole. But is that its own mystery in a way? And do you trust it? Right, could be lying, could be throwing us for a loop, but I mean, mm -hmm. I mean I'm inclined to just be like, you know what, sure. So here's this. At the end of all of these, Neurocam is not blank. There was a quote from Neurocam International's CEO, Bridget Fisher. Quote, some of the most rewarding experiences we have come about through random circumstances of which we have no real understanding. It is sometimes important to commit to something we know very little about if the act of commitment in itself becomes part of an experience." End quote. I'm gonna go ahead and let you digest that for a second because I feel like I blacked out when I read that. Yeah, trying to get deep or something like that? Like It's, it's very like deep. What kind of levels we're thinking of. Basically what they're saying is, in life, there are many rewarding experiences that simply come about due to random circumstance. Random circumstances that you don't notice, random circumstances that you don't really understand or don't see or whatever. And so they are then saying that because of this, when a random event comes your way, sometimes it's worth really leaning into that and committing to whatever that random thing is, because that can be part of the experience itself. Again, it's it feels a bit ethereal. It feels a bit... Mm. You know, yes, man, right? Yeah, just kind of, yeah, right? Just kind of say yes to anything. And I don't know, it's one of these things where it's kind of writing the line of like, if you're looking for it, then it'll happen. Right. You know, you'll find it. It's very much, uh, to go back to the Matrix again, very much follow the white rabbit. And he goes, you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to do that. That's kind of what they're saying. Just do the thing, you know, <laughs> lean into it. It's kind of what they're getting at. And so 
it's before we go any further, it is worth noting that most of the following information that we're going to discuss around NeuroCam is documented via blogs from users all over the world that participated in NeuroCam itself. So this is secondhand information, a lot of it's anecdotal, a lot of it's looking back on, because again, this is the early, early-ish internet, and so all the evidence has since been lost, scrubbed, or otherwise just isn't there. But going back to the website, once someone signed up for NeuroCam, they received an email a week later saying, quote, your application has been forwarded to the designated officer within the Human Resources Security Division so our organization can further evaluate your suitability for recruitment. In the interest of facilitating an expedient assessment, the Human Resources Security Division is currently implementing a series of background checks, end quote. I mean, those are two of the, it's not necessarily the only thing it said. It was among the things they said, but. Hey, not a cult though. Hey, not a cult though. <laughs> we're, just, we're just deeply looking into your actual background, you know, <laughs> social securities and all or whatever Australia's version is. Oh, this is a, this is a bait. Yeah. Okay. So this sounds like a company that's like, are you becoming a contractor? Are you, like, what are you looking at? What are you evaluating? It's weird, but it gets weirder. Another week and they would receive an email with details of the application process. All applicants were required to complete a mission, which was to write a detailed account of their day, paying particular attention to any occurrence, which may be deemed out of the ordinary, and then attach two images that represent that day and then send that back. That's the application. After that, their account would go under review and they were either denied or accepted. If they were accepted, users were then tasked with official assignments for NeuroCam. No information on assignments was ever published on the NeuroCam website though. Some recruits were asked to travel to a specific location, open an electronic safe, and take the document labeled with their name and alias, and then secure the safe and leave. So, so I just wanna pause there for a second. I don't know if electronic safe means like online, and it was like geo-locked or an electronic mechanism on a physical safe that had their name right. on a document. Cause I'm holding my face, you can't see it, but this is giving me some real cicada vibes, except cicada finds you and then yeah. sends you off on a on a journey. I mean, the, th the thing too is like, is there like, I mean, come on, someone had to have some evidence or proof or screenshots or take a photo or any of any of this? That's the difficulty of the early internet mysteries is that so much of it is, is right. grandfathered down. It's a lot of anecdotal evidence. It's a lot of, you know, blogs that are fully lost, right? Old MySpace, old GeoCities, yeah. whatever. And to have any information in general is is actually a blessing. But yeah, it's it's really frustrating because this really starts to expand. You know, even seeing that billboard would be would be fascinating. It's just, I mean, I've said this a handful of times. Like, you know, uh, government, if you need a task force, hey, because it seems like you don't have the time to, uh, you know, just take a look into these things and see if they are uh, dangerous to people or not. You know what I mean? Well, hold on a second. You putting our names out for like potentially dangerous things or are you just kind of like floating, uh, floating this I'm out? I'm the man behind the chair. You can't be chairman. <laughs> I'm going to be chairman. Okay. Oh, I'm, man, I'm, gonna you're be behind I'm the, the man. Chair. I'm the field man and you're the one behind the computer. Look, you're leading the field troops. You know what? Yeah, I'm I'm the man behind the chair in the like you know what secret bat cave. You're the man in the chair in the van out parked outside said investigative like area. 
I'll take it, you know, because I've seen movies, and for some reason, they always go after the guy behind the guy first. Oh, damn. And that's their downfall, you know? Yeah, then I'm no, James Bond, happened. I'm up in there, and I, you know, I stop it, but I gotta save you first. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. That's <laughs> happened. Where you think the guy that's, like, in the safe building is as safe as safe can be, and then gets got. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, no. Sleeping easy, and that's why. I have to lock myself in. <laughs> So let's go back to this this safe and the in this letter. So inside uh, this document was a letter officially welcoming the user to Neurocam and a little red button with an all-seeing eye on it. Blogger Zaid was tasked with purchasing red circular stickers, writing Neurocam on them, and then placing them next to artworks at galleries. And they were told to not be seen by cameras, essentially avoiding all photography, all security cameras, etc. Another blogger, when, got, when getting their task, Graham Henstock, was assigned to climb up onto the Neurocam billboard and spray paint the answer, or his answer, to the question, what is Neurocam? Well, he did it. He actually climbed up there and spray painted Neurocam as a matter of perception. Another user who had actually been tasked with the very same question, or the same task, I should say, before Henstock was, wrote, Neurocam is mind control. This person is anonymous, we don't know who this is, who had that task, or whatever. Now, as members of Neurocam were given more tasks, they rose in the rank and were given more advanced assignments. God, this is like a cult. Hey, they said it's not a cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember earlier when I was like, thank God we have some, there's finally <laughs> someone that's saying what they're not. It's like, well, we're not a cult, but we're going to do cult-like things. Yeah, I mean... Oh, man, I'm heavy on the pop culture references. I didn't even see this movie, but what was the one with uh, Dave DeFranco and I forget her name, but they're riding around town. They meet through this app oh, and this app tasks yes. you with like higher and higher risk things. Doing all these crazier things. Yeah. Uh, and it was for money, but they got locked in for their lives. Yeah. That, I mean, it just reminds me of that. Just I've only seen the trailers, but it reminds me of that. People get themselves into these games and then like have to finish these tasks. It was called Nerve. Oh, it was Nerve. You're right. Yeah, you are right. Yeah, these guys got some nerve telling me to climb up on a on a billboard. That's a liability right Look, there. man. If cults can get people to do a lot of crazy things. Imagine, though. Truly. Imagine you see this billboard. You go to the website. It forces a video onto your computer. You watched it. You went to the website and signed up. At what point does your brain catch yourself? Yeah. At what stage? It's downloaded. You watched it. You signed up. You waited. You applied by giving them personal information. You waited. You went to a location. You opened a safe. You got a letter out with your name on it. You did what it said. You climbed up a billboard and spray painted. I mean, your site must just be covered in red because there's just so many red flags. That I mean, that yeah, like, flag on the play. That's a like, technical. My goodness. A good chunk of these people must be people that, that are just curious, right? They're like, sure, they know what they're kind of getting into, man. but they're just they're like, I'm curious. You know, what the, you know what curiosity did to the cat? And that, I'm just looking at these tasks. I'm just thinking about this and I'm like, not today. Yeah. Mm-mm, not me. You're not going to get me. Man. Well, like I said, as people were doing these tasks, they would rise the ranks and be given more advanced assignments. I don't know if that materialized into money or simply getting more advanced and difficult assignments. I don't know what the point of doing these for the sake of doing this is, but I think people are chasing an end goal. They're chasing a finish line. In fact, some of the most advanced assignments included recruiting new members to this 
it's definitely a cult, right? I mean, like this is a cult. It's called it. Let's call it what it is. That's, it's a cult. Yeah, at least from what we see, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a cult. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, many people were uncertain about what they were getting into, as they should be. Uh, many people on these blogs seemed extremely excited about getting new tasks. They were like, this is awesome. This is the unknown is driving their enthusiasm. One user on LiveJournal named Finnegan even noted that the person assigning them took a few weeks to give them a new assignment. And when they inquired about their next task, they were actually told to be patient. Neurocam headquarters was aware of the online discussion and emailed the members to actually wait until the completion of assignments before beginning to post about them online. Where do they're okay with letting people post about it online? Well, maybe it's for more recruit. Yeah, maybe. Like, I don't know, just recruitment type of strategy. It's just so, I don't know, man. This just seems like such a cult. Like, it's just not investigated. Then again, like, maybe the government wouldn't be all, you know, public about, hey, we're investigating this possible dirty cult. I don't know, man. At this point, it's like, it's new internet. And so, like, the savvy enough people to be on it with their dial up or, like, scooting around, doing some tasks, like... It's new. It's just like, you really got to think of this. This is really new for 2003 or 2004. Like, yeah, not a lot in pop culture, not a lot online, not a lot like in this vein. And so people are just, I guess, blinded by their excitement. But at this point, bloggers began speculating that, hey, this is this is either a marketing scheme, like you were saying, or or some kind of ARG. You know, they actually compared it at the time to Cicada and other ARGs, or at least people since, because uh, I, I don't, I believe this is predating Cicada. And now going back to Zaid, the person who was putting the red stickers with Neurocam written on it next to some art and galleries, they said this after their assignment. They said, quote, I mean, is it a bizarre marketing scheme? Why would they want people to think that they are buying art? End quote, ultimately implying like, what are they after? What are they up to? What, if this is a, a marketing scheme, what does that have to say? So he's basically leaning on the ARG thing. Some kind of pyramid scheme? Like what is going on here? Right. So, like a, a non-monetary pyramid scheme. A pyramid scheme of tasks. Yeah. But some were actually worrying that this was way more sinister. You know, that people are starting to do some maybe dangerous stuff that there's, you know, no real obvious motive behind this. And that really has, you know, the more sane people doing this questioning. Clearly someone was spending a lot of time and money on whatever Neurocam is. And uh, listen, to go back to your gut instincts, I feel like you were right on based on the name. So far, we're talking about Neuro, the brain, we're talking about cam, cameras. I don't know where we're at with that. I don't know if people are being watched yet, but yeah, now, now we're gonna really start getting into to people. Uh, the administration in this company oh, oh. and some blog posts and everything. So let's let's just dive in. I didn't think we'd be diving into like the corporate structure of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's actually quite a bit here. You know, not again, not enough probably for a whole episode, but, you know, enough information to really kind of really start to feel this one out. So right. from blog posts from Lady J and Joanna, operatives grew frustrated with upper management of Neurocam. That's what it seemed to look like looking at these blogs, you could just tell. And many bloggers were actually arguing over the direction that this company was taking. Oh. Factions seemed to be forming between players who were playing offline exclusively and people who were playing online. Now, Melbourne Neurocam operatives were assigned tasks by someone named Robert Henley. And the community there often blogged about who this person could be. Henstock, who I mentioned earlier, received an email from a frantic woman with pictures of himself attached. 
Now, that's spooky. What? Okay, in the email, the woman said she tried to go to the press about her knowledge of Neurocam, but was abducted. And if I'm reading this right, she had pictures of him attached to that email. Uh, I don't know if, 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 if it's the recipient of the email or if it's Robert Henley or what, but... Like him walking about, like, to Starbucks or something? Or just grab my, like, Twitter profile pic? But Either way... It's crazy. In that time, people weren't really, you know, widely posting. Imagine if you saw a candid photo of yourself on the street and then somebody who was like, oh my God, I was abducted when I was trying to give the press my information and I was abducted by this Robert Henley guy who people are trying to figure out who they are. Also, here's photos of yeah. you. And then that person goes from being someone as a part of the, you know what I mean, this whole like operation and then maybe like helping guide people to, oh, could be the muscle dangerous. Well, she believed Robert Henley was the one that abducted her on that note, but Robert Henley was eventually replaced by someone named Charles Hastings. Now, Charles is the one giving the task to everybody. Users online couldn't find anything on who this person was except a video by a Robin Helly called Who is Robert Henley? That's all they could really surface on this Robert Henley person. Oh. Now, Robin Helly was a performance artist, and when contacted about Henley, they declined to respond. Bloggers found out that Robin Helly owned Neurocam and registered in 2000 through the Australian Better Business Bureau. Operatives then tried to contact Helly and others involved with Neurocam about him, uh, but went down rabbit holes, essentially finding nothing. So that gets a little confusing, but basically in trying to chase down this Robert Henley, who was replaced by Charles, they yeah. stumbled into the only result on this name was a video uploaded that was called Who is Robert Henley? And Robin Helly, a very similar name, was the one that posted that video. So we're really starting to, to dig in here. And they also found out that he registered this company name. He owned that company several years prior. Oh, it's a rabbit hole. Very, very twisty. Damn, though, like, it's so weird. Like, it, it's just almost baffling to me. It's, that, it's like very... all this weird kind of like in the shadows, shady things are going on and uh, they're just kind of allowed to. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know if they were being investigated in some way. I don't know really the the reach of this um but it does sound like people across the world were dealing with this and maybe it's just like one of those things that the world hadn't caught up to this kind of thing yet so it's true it just seems so public facing yeah and yet so unfarious all at the same time Mm-hmm. because like because now you actually have a person a you know you couldn't find anything on this robert henley you couldn't find anything on this charles hastings you couldn't find anything on these other people at this company and then you finally find this robin helly by accident and you find out everything about him that he owns this company that he that he registered it and everything yeah it feels like there's a trail that you can follow to a person right you finally have something concrete that you can latch on to now by 2006 so only a few years later most of the main blogs on neurocam and discussing neurocam had either stopped posting about it or just went offline entirely. And then in 2011, a Robert Henley came forward and uploaded a trailer for a movie on Vimeo, and it was entitled, WTF is Neurocam. So now boom, many years later, this mysterious Robert Henley shows back up. Well, the trailer, you know, it was posted, but the movie never came out. A trailer for a movie. Yeah, I don't know what the, like, Neurocam resurfaced nearly a decade later. 
whatever's going on here. Movie rights. So no movie ever came from this trailer, and IMDb lists the director and the producer again as Robin Helly. This movie apparently is about someone investigating the mystery of Neurocam in documentary style, and for about a year, this was the final installment of any info on Neurocam. And that's everything we essentially know until I kind of, we'll, we'll close uh, with our final thoughts. But before we do that, we have a couple theories at this juncture to discuss. But it got a little windy there. Let me know if you have any questions, by the way. It's, it starts to get very twisted, very quick, very similar to Cicada. I mean, it does at the same time. Like, I mean, I, I follow along with it. It doesn't mm -hmm. like go really confusing or anything like that. It's just like someone investigate this, please. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. So the main theory is let's just, again, it's relatively simple. This is either an ARG, which is probably your simplest explanation for what's going on. Yeah, the ARG again. Right. It's usually one of the key theories on, on all these, but operatives were unsure what the end goal was or what it would be or what the ultimately this ARG was for or about or anything. So... While it's the simplest explanation, it does leave a lot of questions. It doesn't really wrap the whole thing very nicely. The next main theory is that this is part of some sort of organized crime. Because some of the tasks required taking objects from one place to another, kind of like a courier. Uh, oh. You know, they were worried that it may become something to do with crime. Maybe transporting objects that you don't really know what's yep. in it. Get people to do your dirty work. Uh, you could inadvertently become some sort of drug mule, right? Just drive this van across town, don't look in the back. Local newspapers even started to worry that this might be the case. Um, but police did not receive any complaints involving Neurocam operatives. And I guess they just thought that was enough? I, I don't know. The police are like, oh, we haven't gotten complaints, so let's just turn the blind eye. this, man. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I, uh... I don't know. That's a really interesting theory. It really is. And then the uh, the third most prominent theory is that this is some sort of secret society or, you know, a cult, something like that. The sec uh, publicly secret society. <laughs> yeah. The worst secret society. Um, like what? It, it at least, you know, Neurocam seems like it was at least trying to be a secret society. You know, unlike Cicada 3301, right? We, we did a whole episode on that. Mm -hmm. It whittles people down by doing puzzles and tests and eventually with a time-gated end where only a few people could even possibly be picked. This one, you know, you're just applying up front and then they pick you from there. And so by necessity, you kind of have to be quite public. Whereas Cicada could fly under the radar and just be a viral puzzle. And there's a lot of arm length between the society and the public. It's just, how is there no like, I don't know. Cause you, you gotta think mm -hmm. that there's a ton of people that right are just looking for a purpose or like are yeah. easily manipulated. So they're going along with this, but then you've got the handful of people who are in their, I guess for lack of a better saying, right mind. I know that this is something fishy, something weird, maybe something dangerous, but want to go along with it so they could document it. Yeah. Like, where are the people documenting this stuff? That's a really good question, you know? Uh, and, and you make good points too. Like, a secret society has elements of like FOMO. People want to, they see, they get a little glimpse of what's going on. They want to be a part of it. They feel like they're missing out. You know, some people actually made friends with this, this community. But yeah, on the other hand, you have a lot of other people going like, well, hold on a second. What What? what are you, are you serious? Yeah. And then like on top of that, uh, where's any evidence? Whip out the VHS tapes, baby. Record this stuff. Bring like, it out. I, I don't know. It's it, it leaves a lot of questions. No photos. 
Nothing. Nothing we can sit here and go, ah, is that real? I don't know. You know? Yeah. Well, this one, uh, for better or worse, does have quite the resolving conclusion. I don't know if it necessarily answers it per se, but it does put to rest a lot of questions. In fact, it might, it might, it might actually answer it. Let's just dive in, huh? So, in 2012, remember that this all kind of cropped back up temporarily in 2011. So now in 2012, around eight or nine years after this all kicked off, Robin Helly published his PhD thesis entitled Project Neurocam, an Investigation. He published it through the Department of Multimedia and Digital Art, Faculty of Art, Architecture and Design at Monash University. And in the abstract, Helly writes in the thesis that Neurocam quote, explores the issue of audience interaction as a primary determinant in the making of an artwork. For Helly's thesis, he created and ran Neurocam. None of the people running Neurocam were actually real, and that's why it really started to get twisted and why no results were coming up. Robert Henley, Barbara Fisher, Charles Hastings, all of them did not exist. And as for the woman who emailed Henstock about being kidnapped by Henley, that person was very likely to be a troll or someone, maybe even Helly himself as a troll. I don't know, but that person wasn't necessarily supposed to be a part of this. That's why I was asking if it was like photos of this person going to like Starbucks or as opposed right. to just like kind of like public facing photos. Yeah, it's, it's just hard to say because there's so little information. But while running Neurocam, he ran one of the blogs as well at that time, named WTF is Neurocam. So one of the basically one of the blogs that discussed their experience with it. And in this blog, Helly acted like he was a Neurocam recruit moving through the ranks and eventually meeting the creator, Robert Henley. It's uncertain if Helly actually performed any of these tasks. I doubt they did, but they at least claim to have done so. They wrote a false narrative as a fake recruit for this company. He then made a fictional documentary, also called WTF is Neurocam, to show what it would be like to be a Neurocam operative. The thesis explores ARGs, interactive performance art, flash mobs, and relational art that is over 200 pages long, attempting to explain how these concepts all relate. And in the thesis, Helly ultimately mentioned that the project began before his candidacy, so Neurocam was performance art that eventually turned into a sociological study. So, like I said, not necessarily a straightforward answer, because, I mean, it is an answer, but it's open-ended. But like it's contrived he made it he set it out into the world it lived its own life and he just watched what happened he learned from it but then where's the evidence that he did create it and make it well the evidence uh, just based on what we, we've discussed so far is that he did register this as a business a few years prior to it going out like i feel like there'd be a mountain of undisputable evidence right and, I, and I'm sure that in these 200 pages of the thesis that he's got here that, you know, oh, they're, yeah, they're real that he's got photos or evidence or graphs or data of some kind. But, you know, without seeing the thesis myself, there is room for trust to be broken, right? Where you're like, well, are you a participant that then claimed this thing? And like, yeah. Or was it a cult? And then you said it was something else. Like, I want to take it at face value and just say, yeah, he tried to learn about social interactivity in the online space in a very unique way. But it definitely felt like a mismanaged ARG. There's elements of danger. There's elements of miscommunication. There's like, yeah, something that was like poorly managed or just completely 
got completely out of hand. Well, it's I all mean, over the place. I guess not completely out of hand if they were like directing people to go to these places and take this and do that. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, maybe deliberate. that's why they took so long to to give people their uh, assignments, right? Yeah, because it's one guy running all of it. Yeah, it could it could be, but uh, again, the what? I don't know. Maybe it's all in this this whole like, you know, like the, those pages, but I feel like mountain of evidence then you would just have paper trails yeah, and paper trails i feel a that receipt a mile long it's wild man it's a it's a wild one because like again this this is a an answer this is the the solve but it still doesn't like scratch the itch it doesn't it really it it's really like, doesn't yo what did you learn what were you after i don't want to read 200 pages of the thing like just is this real are you real <laughs> yeah are you real what are you doing are you just throwing us for a loop yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess you just gotta read. Gotta read the stuff. Yeah. All I can do is back up from this and say, "Hey, man, Robin, fascinating experiment. You know, fascinating study into the sociological, you know, movement of people and how they interact. And like, I'm sure you gained a lot of insight, or at least saw a lot of fascinating stuff. I mean, spent a good chunk of change too, right? I like, guess, yeah, that's true. The billboard uh, alone, ten thousand dollar billboard alone is like, now yeah, listen, pass, pass on my thesis. I'm gonna do something else. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. Like, I just, I can't leave this. I can't leave this topic. I, I, I but I should. I have to. <laughs> like, there's just, weird. there's something else there that I just, I can't put into words. It's like I still have that itch. That's but all. Damn, that's all. Baffle. But that concludes. Our first chapter, our first episode of the Internet Files. At least that's what we're calling it right now. That's fun. Yeah, it was. It's nice to ebb and weave between a couple different topics. You know, it's like little tidbits, a little, uh, little this, a little that, little uh, cultish ARG action, a little bit of uh, astral projection, and uh, you know, alien type of paranormal sort of stuff. And then, man, I, how do we even kick off? What do we kick off with? We kicked off with the uh, internet posts. Yeah, the, the YouTube stuff. I feel like the YouTube stuff is probably just like a troll or someone just like an experiment. Someone trying to break YouTube. Yeah, or just mess around and trying to experiment to see what would happen if they did all this weird stuff. Yeah. The second one, I feel like I can't put any weight behind that. It's just, a, you know, it just depends on if you believe that or not. That's as simple as that one goes. True. Yeah. If there's anything I've learned, at least at the end of this episode, but for sure this show, it's people have some some motives. People are asking questions I would never think of. Like if you're testing YouTube with these weird videos and really dogpiling onto a channel, what's your motivation? Same with this this thesis here. Like, mm. yeah. For me, people, uh, although weird, are loyal because everyone. There's a handful of these mysteries or conspiracies where a ton of random people have taken part and there's just like no one's documenting it. No one's blowing the whistle or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like, my goodness, y'all some loyal, loyal human beings to the cause. Mum's the word. Speak now or forever you're in a cult. Yeah, I don't know how you just keep so many people to just be like really shut about it. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's amazing to me. Ah, man, this makes me think of that meme where it's like, it's the none of the employees were real for me. Oh, it's the cult mentality for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, go back and forth. <laughs> oh, man. Again, that's uh, that's the Internet Files. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, I Man, I really love these Internet-centric mysteries. I know you guys do, too. But let us know your thoughts, whether it be on Twitter, at RedWebPod, 
on Apple, where you can review us with the star rating system or what have you, or on roosterteeth.com, where we also upload this podcast and have a comment section there for you. We check them all. We love the feedback that you guys provide. But thanks again for your listen. Thanks again for the word of mouth. You guys are great. And we'll see you next week for another mystery. Mystery.